Mary, Mary, why you bugging? <laughs> that song, Mary, has been in my head like all morning. And then like the monkeys version came on too. Like the monkeys version of Mary, Mary, which is. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. Do you get that a lot? Uh, not anymore, but that song <laughs> came out when I was in seventh grade. So you can imagine. Uh, the, the and run DMC song, obviously not the run the, DMC, not the monkey. I'm not, I'm not that ancient. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's going through my head. Mary Nisi, Mary Nisi. So I, I have to say that I am so excited. I know that was a weird, like cold open, but I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited today to be speaking to Mary Nisi, the founder of Toast and Jam DJs. My name is Ginger Birkenbuehl. I am the founder and host of the Honest Field Guy podcast. And normally I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a different show. Normally, I would be talking to Mary to really understand her journey as an entrepreneur. Like, what has she done? Like, how does she do what she's doing? How is she making all of her amazing money? And like, how is she helping other women and men and everybody else and they's and others, whoever, be, be thriving in the world of entrepreneurship? Because a lot of, like, this is a great time to be an entrepreneur. We have a lot of resources available now, especially with artificial intelligence. There's just no excuse. But we're not going to talk, I'm actually not going to be talking about entrepreneurship today. And there's a lot of other uh, episodes of my podcast that you can listen to. Um, on the Honest Field Guide, you can find my podcast anywhere that you listen to shows, any place. And actually, Mary uh, interviewed me a few months ago on her show. What's your show called again, Mary? It's called All Up In My Lady Business. All Up In My Lady Business. And you know what? In All Up In My Lady Business, I even talk about the Yoni. Speaking of All Up In My Lady Business. <laughs> a lot, actually. <laughs> we talk about that. That's so funny. The Yoni um, was our co-pilot on that episode. I know, right? Exactly. So anyway, um, so when we were on the show, when I was on Mary's show, All Up In My Lady Business, um, we were celebrating actually how we originally met. We met at an event that was put on by the author Jillian Gillian Flynn of Gone Girl, and it was at her house. And... She's got this amazing house full of like books and like wood and whiskey. And we were at a fundraiser for re Republican turned Democratic no. state representative Sean Caston. Yeah, he used to be. He was a Republican first? Yes. Oh. What the? I mean, look it up right now, girl. Yeah. Yeah. He was a I mean, I turned Democrat. I was, I was like very uncertain. I was like kind of, you know, I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know about this because I usually, I usually don't trust Republicans that turn Democrat. I usually think that they're. Well. I think sometimes you can't help like if you're raised that way, yes. like Republicans yes. are very into the Turn identity coat. politics of it all. Yes. And if they, yes. you know, it's like, I get it. If you're raised Republican and you're living in, yeah. you know, fucking, where does he live? I don't know. Uh, I'm scared they're going to bait and switch on me always. I'm Naperville. Yeah. I'm scared of it. Wheaton, all, all those places. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't turned coat on us, but I mean, I was, no, he's I was, been great, actually. Yeah, and I, and we were there. He's actually the state representative in the sixth district, right? Um, anyway, mm -hmm. but we were there to raise money for him. Um, I was actually invited by one of my advisors and sponsors, Christy Hefner, who's one of my favorite people in the entire universe. Um, and Mary, actually, Mary, like I met her there. I didn't even know her before that, but the minute we were all there together, all these like like a hundred people or so in this beautiful private, amazing house. Mary and I were like magnets. I was like, okay, who is this? Who is this bitch? Like, who is mm -hmm. this? Like, she and I are the same. Um, she raised a ton of money. We had a great time. And after that political fundraiser, and at the time, I was actually very involved in politics. I was doing some other work. I don't, I'm not involved in politics anymore in Chicago. Kind of stepped aside a little bit because didn't really feel like it's working for me in general um, or me as an entrepreneur business owner in Chicago. But um, we ended up connecting with other people 
at the event. Remember, we met like mm-hmm. with a lawyer. I can't remember their names right now, but we decided like these really cool people at this fundraiser. We were going to get together and like have dinner. A uh, Greg, what we met Greg. He's like a, he's like a venture capital guy too. We, we yeah, he was a. It was, was him cool. and like his and like his girlfriend. Yeah. who was like a lawyer, and then yeah. there was the other, there was another the other woman. Guy. There was, there was a guy? guy? No, there was another guy because, like, I, he ends up inviting me later um, to an event where I met some really super famous people, including um, David uh, um, David Crosby's son <laughs> this event. It was just really great. I know. You're like, what? I didn't even know about that. But anyway, so we, so we were – so Mary and I were, like, going out to dinners with these, like, random people, and it was just, like, reminding me of one of my girlfriends who used to live in New York, and she's like – the reason she missed New York and the reason she kind of loved New York or Chicago is that in New York, you could like be out with a, with a collection of people at dinner, an artist, you know, um, um, a VC, a VC guy, a musician, a writer, someone in mm-hmm. finance, a bum, right? Like you could be at dinner, like having a great conversation, but Chicago is not like that. Like you go to Chicago and like you go to dinner and like everybody there is like in finance everybody's a baby mm-hmm. everybody's a lawyer everybody and, ev- is- and everyone's the same color that's the other exactly. thing exactly well they definitely the race and ethnic piece is is challenging in chicago it's not really like that in new york so what i loved about our dinners that we did for a while and this was of course pre-pandemic was i was like i would never have known these people Mm-mm. i would have never met these people it never would have happened had i not been invited by by christy hefner to this fundraiser for sean casson and and i got to meet mary and so then since then we've become really good friends <laughs> i mean oh my god it's like so bizarre right so anyway um i thought to myself you know what i love i love talking to mary because she's really honest and i thought let's just let's just have a conversation that's a little bit outside of my normal thing with the honest field guide podcast we're going to have another conversation in another couple weeks and i just really want to sort of talk today about um, Chicago politics a little bit, right? Like that's really, we're not going to talk about geopolitics. I really want to keep this conversation local because I feel like Chicago is under attack. Like I feel like we're under attack and it's not like, it's not just under attack from what? I don't know. Like it's not just from outside people that don't know anything about Chicago. I feel like we're actually under attack even from people that live here, right? Like I don't understand what's actually happening here. I'm like, did it, you know, and, and when I say attack, like, negative news lots of horrible things like you'll go if you go to tiktok there's so much like hostility about chicago on tiktok instagram is the same way like you go to linkedin sometimes and see crazy articles on the news like chicago seems to be getting a really bad rap and and oh my my, sorry yeah no you go go ahead my sister who lives in LA, who yeah. lives in LA, yeah. she's like, so is it really as scary in Chicago as, yes. and I'm like, I'm like, no, like, but the unfortunate thing is that it's like, like all the crime in Chicago is all like black on black crime that is very insulated from the, you know, from the, you know, the non black and poor areas. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I may be so bold to say this as a white person, I might be wrong, but I, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of um glean from that and it's um and I think just to go back to the New York of it all like New York everybody has to live on top of each other all the time like there's you know there's like a a million dollar condo next to a homeless encampment so like everybody kind of has to get along to a certain degree you can't ignore certain groups or you know you'll be on the train that's like a guy in a suit you know a guy in a chicken costume uh you know and they're all together you know, so it's like, and I think that forget, that's how, don't forget the pole dancers. On the train. Don't forget the pole dancers. And oh so I God. think you're, you're forced to confront these things in a way that we don't, we can, we can insulate ourselves against here in Chicago. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, so there's a lot to unpack there. So I do think there is black on black crime, but there's also white on black crime and white on white crime. And there's also financial crime and redlining, mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that are actually violent against mm-hmm. black people that you can't see that are part of the system mm-hmm. and the infrastructure. And those are the things that mm-hmm. don't get really talked about on the news very no. much. I mean, I do a lot of writing about it and other people in my community do a lot of writing about it. So I guess, you know, to your point and to my point, I feel like, there's some truth to Chicago being a violent city because mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. It's just like, it's, there's violence at every level of the system at every point from birth until death. There's just extraordinary financial, um, economic, physical, mental, emotional violence and abuse. And, and I think like, let me just say this, Mary, maybe it's always been this way. I don't know, but I do, I do feel like, somehow maybe like in 2019 it could be because i'm a mom you're a mom i have three sons right i have three black sons they're mixed but they're black my black sons you have you have one child and i'm like i feel like i started noticing a shift in 2019 when the teachers went on strike during mayor lightfoot's uh, tenure for the longest time in the history of the chicago public schools the teachers went on strike and then after the strike there was a break of like a month and then we had a pandemic and then mm-hmm. we had a pandemic mm-hmm. that went on in Chicago for like almost three years where almost everything was shut down. So we literally lost four, almost four years of life for our children in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is, to me, when the switch happened. And I don't know if we've ever come back. And I don't know that we've had uh, – I think, may, I think fr- Frank, I don't – I mean, I want to say that the leadership in Chicago has always been challenging and challenged. And I've always been stressed by them. But I do think – it's sort of unfortunate that like Mayor Lightfoot did not get a another chance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, and I'm not, I don't know enough about Mayor Brandon, but I don't, I don't know that she, I don't know that she got another chance. Like I think she was on the right track. I think she was under the gun. I also think like it's sad that we couldn't, like we couldn't reelect a black woman, which is another. That's that is that's the problem. That uh, is it right there in a nutshell. I mean, and I, I mean, you, what I, do you think though about what I said? Like literally. Like from 2019 until maybe just earlier this year, like I feel like Chicago has not climbed out of what started in 2019. And you've moved yeah. out of the city, girl. You left Chicago. Mm-hmm. You took your kid to the suburbs. I fled. You and fled. I, you know, I, well, and I didn't it wasn't mean, a white you know, flight. I... You weren't a white flight fled. You weren't like, I'm no. because I'm a white woman. Like you were flying no. because of whole, the things we're talking about. Well, and also my son is neurodiverse and this, you know, the things he was getting in school wasn't, his IEP was barely being addressed. And, but I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, but, um, I do think that Chicago since 2019 has been difficult, but I think that's also the same thing can be said for most urban areas. Like we're like large cities, like, you know, especially you know, when you take into consideration the um, situation with uh, Mayor with Governor Abbott in Texas, you know, busing migrants all over the country to other places, which I don't, you know, like. What I mean, it's a different conversation, but yes, <laughs> I do, I do, I, that I do. Really is yeah. Um, but I do think that Lori Lightfoot got a very bad rap, and I think that there are people who are willing to like. I think she got some of the same complaints that anybody gets when they are a mayor in a large city, and I think she got a lot of the same complaints that large mayors in cities under the pandemic. And I think that she had to make a lot of really hard decisions that were very, quite frankly, conservative compared with you know 
a lot of other places were doing. And I do believe that as a result of those, we, I mean, I think we had a really good handle on, you know, the pandemic, you know, like masking and mandates and all the other, you know, the distancing, et cetera. And I think that people were really, it was easier to say she overreached, she overstepped. And it's like, but we don't have the same death tolls that other cities have. And so I think that she just, she got black womaned, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never you know. Been, can we make, can we make Ben to a t-shirt? Black woman. I feel. I have I, been black. I have been black woman. Like, seriously, like I have been black woman, quote, unquote. And Every I feel like. It feels weird for me saying this stuff, especially saying it to a black person. And I don't, I hope that you'll call me out if I'm saying anything where you're like, shut the fuck up, white girl. Right. We always, we're always, yes, there's a lot of shut the fuck up. So not right now. I mean, I, I'm always black woman. Any black woman yeah. I know will tell you that's the truth. Well, and I think, I mean, and it's, you know, also just woman, you know, like women. I mean, I, the, her, her first, her first fault was being a woman. And then her second fault was being black. Yeah, and and she's LGBTQ as well. Don't oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole well, I, thing, right? I, I lived two blocks away from her. Oh, okay. And so wow. because I, so I mean, literally I had the same, I mean, the, the cops were really heavy around my house because, you know, my, my neighborhood got very safe during Lori Lightfoot's. Yeah, because uh, they, they have to, they have to be safe yeah. because they're, they're elected officials and, you know, it's just, it's just the way it has to be. But I guess like, you know, yeah, I mean. She's glad. To, I think she's glad to be gone. I think she's like, yeah. you know what? You're not gonna, you're not gonna mess with me anymore. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, she's out and she's doing. She's living. Hopefully, she's living her best life. And now we have, um, you know, we have a new mayor. And I'm gonna be really honest. I voted for him, not because I knew him. I don't know anything about, you know, Mayor Brandon. I voted against Paul Vallis. Yeah, I really, I did. That's I did an, because it's, it's easy to vote against uh, that guy. It was just like I was just <clears> like, oh my god, like. What, I don't Talk about like, a turncoat. Yeah, I'm like, I don't really care what happens. I just can't, I cannot, I can't live with myself voting for Vallis. I don't care what he says or what he, what history he claims he has. I just thought I can't do it. So I guess the the, the, the benefit of voting against Vallis for Brandon is that I really, like, you know, walked into the experience with with Mayor Brandon. I'm still in this experience with Mayor Brandon where, where I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he's doing. I don't want to really know what he's trying to accomplish. He's really a blank slate, which to me gives him an opportunity to uh, make some changes in Chicago because a lot of people are just kind of waiting to see, like, what are you going to do? How mm-hmm. are you going to fix things? Or how are you going to make things better? I don't think he can actually fix anything because no one's been able to fix anything ever, right? Things are just so well, But I feel like, I feel like, don't you feel like, I mean, you're kind of out of Chicago now, um, but you're from a distance now, right? Like, you're not really. Well, I work in the city still, and yeah. I'm, 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 right? And I'm in Evanston. I mean, it's not like I'm in uh, Bolingbrook or something. Not right. no, just, oh, no offense to Bolingbrook, but the poor people um, Bolingbrook. <laughs> uh, but you know, just I'm I'm basically just we in love like you, Bolingbrook. We don't. We, we don't, do. We're not dissing on you, Bolingbrook. Go ahead. What? Um, but uh, I went I went to go to a taping of my uh, another podcast because you know that's what we do now. Uh, it's called Love It or Leave It, and it's like a crooked podcast, and it's a political, it's like a comedy, it's like a political comedy variety show type thing. And Mayor Bron- uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson was one of the guests. Interesting. And were you on uh, at the same time? I was just watching it. I was in oh, the you audience. Were watching the podcast. Yeah, it was. It was at the Chicago Theater. Or no, no, no. That one was at the. It was at the Vic. Oh, it was a live taping. It was a live oh, recording of the podcast. Wow. Okay, that's really fancy. fancy. It's still. 
It's the most losery thing you could ever Jesus. imagine. I went to go see a podcast being like, recorded online. Like you couldn't go see a concert, Miss, you know, a Total yeah. Jam DJs. You had to go see I know. a political event at the Vic. Sorry. Yeah, and I and I and I got like seventh row. Like I was really, I wanted to be you in the front. I wanted desperation. Yeah, no, it's okay, it's why? sad. Because um, I love this with? podcast. I took well in this particular instance, I took my uh, one of my one of my employees with me. Uh, my husband was supposed to go, but they had a get a Cub Scout meeting. You know what? I, so you know what? <laughs> was that a Friday damn night? I mean, listen. Of all the things to do, that is the last thing I would think to be doing, girl. I'm I am bright red anyway, right now. I am no, bright go red. Ahead. Just go ahead. Just go um, ahead. But like you, you did the thing, and then what? Anyway, so it was cool because John, you know, Brandon Johnson was there, and he was able to talk. And he actually, I mean, he he sounded good. You know, like he had, uh, you know, he seemed very progressive and excited to take it on, and that he was only set. You know, so he, at that point, he'd only been mayor for seventy-eight days or something, and. <laughs> Um, well, that's and, uh, I mean, well, he's only been married for like 80, like this was three yeah. weeks ago, I think when I went to okay. go see him. And, um, but one of the things he was talking about was the, was once again, the migrants that are being brought here. And I didn't realize, I thought it was like 10 migrants and we're getting like 20 busfuls a day yeah. of migrants that are coming up from the border. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, you can see the effects of that what? right now. Okay. Where do you live? Evanston. Yeah, they ain't going to Evanston. Yeah, they are. Come on. Like there are. I mean, there's really? there are. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, thought it, it was just. I thought it was the Chicago police stations. Like it's just. Well, I, feel I think so that, terrible about the whole situation. I feel awful. Well, just the begging of it, the whole thing. Like there's a lot of people. Like every single corner has people that are asking for money, and they've got like yeah. whole families there, and it's like, it's, it's just a heartbreaking. It's it, it is, and I the thing I hate about the entire thing, and not to take this in a completely because this is geopolitical, but just nobody's asking the question of why they're leaving the places that they're at. They're like, they're coming here. They're upending their family. They're sending unaccompanied minors. And it's like, how fucking terrible does it have to be in Honduras that you're sending your nine-year-old along with a bunch of other nine-year-olds to walk through Mexico and Guatemala? I mean, I just, it's like, you would like, if you're, maybe it's because I'm a mom and I've got a, but there's a lot of people who are moms that should have a bit more empathy towards the situation. And like, Typically speaking, most of these places are fleeing places based on policies that we, America, inflicted on them. Yeah. And a lot of these people are climate refugees, like where they live or just these inhospitable places that, I mean, that's really, I mean, honestly, again, I keep going in this geopolitical direction, but I do believe that the Middle East, so much of the problems in the Middle East is because of climate change, because these places are getting hotter and hotter and hotter and less able to grow anything and less able to, um, you know, air conditioned places because they don't have the same, you know, infrastructure. And so these people are there, you know, they can't farm. And so they come into the cities and there's no jobs. So then they just get radicalized and all of a sudden they're blowing up things. I know that's a super like, a, like yeah, that's a really big one because I really just yeah. stick with local politics and why yeah. small businesses like ours getting more help from the city of Chicago sure. and other like other like places. But you know, I know yeah, I, 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 I can't help change in farming. Um, yeah. you know, so here's the thing though, like I, there's actually a really good book that you should read and everybody listening. It's called Thank You for Being Late by Thomas Friedman. And he actually talks about the acceleration of all kinds of things. And one of the biggest things he talks about in, in one of the chapters of his book is the displacement of farmers because of the acceleration mm -hmm. of technology. 
and they can't, mm-hmm. and that human beings, they actually can't keep up with what's going on and that people are going to mm-hmm. die because of it. Um, you really have to read this book. Thank you for being late because then you'll really have a, I think you'll have a better understanding of, of, of the impact of technology, literally the impact of technology and the speed of things on farmers all over the world. I mean, you would be like, what are you talking about? How does this even connect? And if you read that book, you'll learn. I've actually read it twice and I listened to the audio of it as well. Um, I wish he'd make an update. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Friedman. Yeah, he's he was I, the I, New York actually, Times, right? Or we, no. We believe, yeah. Actually, I actually sent a message to him. And I was like, hey, can you just come on my podcast? I want to talk about your book. And he ignored me, of course. But you know yeah. what? If you don't ask, you don't receive. You know what? Um, I mean, seriously, I'm sorry, but listen, so, okay. So back to Chicago and off the geopolitical mm-hmm. thing, because yes. one of the things I heard, one of the things I did hear Mayor Brandon say was, you know, the migrant issue is a global issue. And all I could think to myself was, dude, you have a gazillion businesses in Chicago, black owned specifically, that are not connected to the political elite here, not connected to the political system. They don't have any way to get through, to get past or to make it anywhere in the city. Can you please bring things back to a local conversation for us? Because we all of a lot of the small businesses I know and entrepreneurs, they can't start, they can't make money, they can't build wealth, they can't build the relationships, they can't get into the Illuminati in Chicago, they can't get through to the right relationship to help them be successful. Um, and I'm like, I want him to address that because if you address the financial challenges that we have, then you might be able to fix other things, right? I mean, and I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like, that's well, I don't feel like it's really happening the way it should in Chicago. There's people that are sort of trying to do things, but they're really not effective. Like, for example, I, I applied recently, um, I went through an RFP process for the Department of Cultural Affairs to run training to help small business owners and, and, and leaders that are, you know, running nonprofit organizations in the art community help them understand things like digital marketing. And I got a mm-hmm. message that said, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're not good enough to run digital marketing. Cl- I know you're not good enough to run digital marketing classes or to help, you know, artists understand how to use, you know, solutions and strategies to like make money on their art. Yes. If, if you, if you aren't the fucking gold <laughs> standard, what were they hoping for? Well, I don't really know if they were hoping for anything, but I do think that, you know, what I'm trying to say is like the, you know, when you when you hear things on the outside that Chicago's dangerous and Chicago's broken and it's violent and people are going to hurt and killed, what I'm trying to say is, it's not just the 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 easy to typical narrative that you actually said black on black crime. It's really easy to fall into that space and and just say, you know, black people are getting shot in the street. The police aren't doing anything to help them. It's easy to fall into that narrative, but the reality is is that the the abuse and the um, and the violence is ex- is extensive in Chicago, and it's not getting better; it's getting worse. And so, well, and I think I, I think like, a lot of it. When I see dudes like you know the head of like World Business Chicago, for example, you know talking about Chicago has a bad rap, I'm like, there's a reason that Chicago's getting a bad rap, and it's unfortunate that we are dog whistle that we're responding to dog whistles where people mm-hmm. are just talking about physical violence, which is important and must be addressed and must be dealt with. But there are so many layers of violence in Chicago that are invisible. And that's the thing that people, for some reason, they, they, intent, they either intentionally aren't wanting to talk about it or it's so nuanced and takes conversation that nobody wants to deal with it because they're really busy looking at TikToks and Instagrams and getting instantaneous mm-hmm. gratification about things. I just don't know, but I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, I'm feeling more uncomfortable and I don't think it's my age. 
Like, I know people that have moved out of Chicago because they're, like, they're older, they're aging out of the city, and they don't have children anymore, and they don't want to pay high taxes because they're not, you know, they're not, they don't have kids in public schools, and why should they pay? Like, I understand that. Oh, that's, you're really cute with your high taxes. That's real cute. I mean, seriously. That's real cute. But I'm like, why, why am I, but why am I, like, like, what, what is the discomfort? Like, where, when can I make it, how can I make it stop? Like, what is I mean. Yeah. It's interesting when you say the invisible violence, because I think, I mean, invisible violence is also psychological violence, psychological warfare. And I think that that's like, you know, the, one of the things about Chicago that I have kind of realized now that I'm like out of it, but not really, like I'm, st I still have like one foot in Chicago and it's like everything in the city is so hard. It is yeah. so hard to do everything here. Like for me to go to the grocery store when I lived here, it was, it was like 45 minutes just in traveling and, you know, and like it was, you know, and I, and like now I can like go to the grocery store, go to the dry cleaner, go to Home Depot, uh, you know, talk to somebody on the corner for 10 minutes and do it all inside of an hour. <laughs> and it's like, I've heard you know, that from other people that have moved to the suburbs. I mean, and, listen, the call of the suburbs ain't, it's not going to work for me. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm out of here, I'm like literally going to the damn desert. Yeah. I mean, um, but, I'm from the desert. I'm going back to the desert. I'm not going to be. But I, beyond the ease of being able to do grocery shopping, yeah. you know, just the way this, the town operates, mm -hmm. like I pay a lot of money in taxes. Like I, it's like a sickening amount of money for me in taxes. Mm -hmm. And, but I get what I, I get what I pay for out of it, yeah. you know, yeah. like, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and it's, um, it's, it sucks that in Chicago, we are so used to being neglected. Like we're so used to like, you know, paying a lot in taxes and, you know, there's just garbage everywhere. And when you call your alderman and you're like, can you, can I, I, I lived on next to a bus stop when I was living in the city and I called the alderman and I was like, can I get a, a garbage can for my bus stop? Because there's just garbage everywhere and everybody wants to like throw away something before they get on the bus. And he's like, yeah, we can't put bus, uh, garbage cans on the corners because people will use them as their as their regular garbage cans and there'll be like garbage bags in there and I'm like so like New York <laughs> like on the streets like in New York like but but no but he meant like people were like throw their garbage bags into the garbage can they should be throwing them into their garbage you know that the city Got provides it. for yeah. their first for uh for janitorial right. and I'm like so yeah. you're you don't you don't want people to use the garbage cans like that seems dumb. And he's like, well, the problem is, is that people use them too much and we can't afford to give that route to someone on streets and sanitation. And I'm like, but then you just have garbage everywhere and you got to pay know, somebody else to clean that up. Said, and it's just know, like, I mean, listening to I, like literally the, the benefit of living in an urban environment is the diversity and the mm -hmm. amenities and the resources that we have, like, you know, the museums and really amazing mm -hmm. Michelin star restaurants. You know, all those things are, are benefits. But the other reason that people stay in cities is, you know, sanitation, um, law enforcement, really great schools and quality of life. And I guess, again, I keep going back to this. Like when I was so one of my sons was um, he was uh, at After School Matters this summer. And this is my child that has, um, you know, he's got ADHD, which I believe was intensified because of the pandemic. Like he's yes. four damn years on freaking online learning. Mm -hmm. This kid is not mm -hmm. like. He's now, he's a hundred percent gamer now. Like he's, mm -hmm. not, you know, he's not doing well in high school. 
and like he's doing great at like you know learning how to like build games on roblox and stuff like he's really killing it there maybe he's gonna be a gamer i don't know but like when i was down there you know i was just realizing how beautiful it was that he was outside and he was i i, I bought him a new bike and he was riding his bike you know all the way from our, our house near the united center all the way to you know grant park which was like a big deal for him but it was also a big deal for me i'm like oh my god you know he's like my little guy and i'm like letting him go on a bike by himself in Chicago where bikers get hit constantly, intentionally sometimes. Like I had a, ta- a cab driver, a, a guy in an unmarked black van that tried to run me down on, on Milwaukee Avenue and there was another biker next to me who screamed at the top of his lungs to stop the guy from doing it. But anyway, that's a different thing. But but he, he was down there and I was looking around like, wow, this is really, this is what Chicago's about. He's, at, he's down in Grant Park. He's experiencing beautiful things with the urban urban growers and they're really beautiful people towards him and they're beautiful towards all the people and then there was a guy that was sitting um he was one of the guards because it was happening during nascar which was like oh my god what the and nascar whatever he was working the nascar event and we just started talking because you know i talk to people i listen to people Mm -hmm. just like you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know i was just sort of saying like because i like to ask questions i was like so what do you think like he's a young guy right he's younger he's like probably 15 years younger than me or something 20 or whatever i'm like so you know he's really good looking you know handsome guy i'm like so what, what do you think about chicago like you know he's like yeah you know i don't see myself staying here to retire and i was like what like i literally was like he was to- he's so young I, he was young and i was like wait a minute you're not even like you're not even mm-hmm. like anywhere near retirement age what are you talking about he's like yeah you know i can't see myself here i can't visualize it my girlfriend is the same way. We're sitting here like we don't – this is not where we're going to stay. And I thought, okay, like if he's saying that, like he's not even close to like his – he don't even have any kids yet. And I thought to myself, it didn't used to be like that, like right? Like I've heard, I've talked to other people in Chicago that have been here their whole lives who grew up on the south side mm-hmm. you know, or grew up in Hyde Park. Like I grew up in Hyde Park. And they're all, they're all kind of saying similar things like this city, I don't recognize the city anymore. And then I'm like, okay, is it because – of all the corporate branding or is it really because mm-hmm. what is it? What is well, I, I mean, I, I, I think we've, we've gone on a lot of different avenues here, but I do think that you aren't wrong about the, I mean, the, the, the corporatization of the city in general. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, that was the thing, the things that really kind of make Chicago, Chicago are like the corner stores, the little restaurants that like have been there for 80 years. Like, and when, you know, you get an offer you can't refuse to sell your land and all of a sudden it becomes like an urgent care center, you know, like it, it you know, I, it's, it's not even being replaced with it's something awful. fun. Yeah. And, no, um, no green space. Well, but, but, you know, my husband and I had, we, our anniversary was a couple of weeks ago and we, oh. yeah, 12 years, the fight in 12. And, uh, we stayed the at a hotel down to, yeah, I don't what? know. It was just like, you know, like Stephen thing? Colbert. No, Stephen Colbert would always go like, you know, you talk about a district, he'd always go with the fighting, whatever the number. Seriously? Anyway, oh, it's a dumb. So yeah, it's like so a dumb. What does, for, what does it mean for me then? I've been married almost 30. I've been married 30 years. What do I, what do I call what's wrong with me? Fighting 30? It's always, you're still, still fighting. Um, 30, the, the, the thriving 30? Or the th- terrible 30? You've been married 30. for 30 years. I think thriving. <laughs> you can make it 30 years. That's bonkers. So anyway, it was like. 30 years. I don't think we are. So I don't, our, I don't think it's worked. Yeah. I think I, I'm I'm in a post-pandemic marriage now. We all are. Yeah, I know, but like it's okay. We all are, but yeah, you're right. We are all. I'm I'm married to a post-pandemic man. Like my this is a different man than I had before the pandemic. Yeah, I mean mine too. Is, I'm a different person though. I mean, I, I think I'm better, honey. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I am. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just I'm different. I'm, better, I'm not the same like, person. 
Okay, so let me just finish what I was I mean, saying. but I know, but no, seriously, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is part of it. This is part of it. We're also in a post-pandemic Chicago with post-pandemic people whose brains have been forever changed by the experience of the pandemic. And so I think that has to, that has to go into something like what you're about to say, because I don't, I think, I think the, the experiences, the people, the relationships, the way we view the world, the way we think what's happening, I think it has, it, it like, we're not in a fog anymore. Maybe the city's always been this problem. Okay. First of all, I also don't think this is, I don't think this is a unique problem to Chicago and, and, and also, but um, we, so we, no, we went to, so we went to, um, so we stayed at a hotel downtown. And so we're, you know, we, in, yeah, we stayed at London house, which is like a whacker in um, Michigan. It was fine for considering how expensive it was. Like it was, it was like, not, that's the, it was like, not blowing no, up. it didn't blow you away. No. Oh, um, okay. Uh, but, facial? did i didn't get a facial i got a massage but anyway okay. at night we went out to dinner and we were walking around downtown and it was like fucking vegas yeah. like oh. like saturday like saturday night in chicago i mean there was it was you know 10 o'clock at night there's still throngs of people around you know like they're all you know drunk and we went to that casino the new casino because it was like right there and why not wow. and it just and it, yeah the, the, have you seen this new casino it's in the it's in the old Bloomingdale's building that the one that looks oh, like a like a yeah. it looks it's the one that looks like a it has like onion domes on it with like a Shriner temple back in the day, and it was this characterless, featureless. It just felt like um like an office building that had table you know roulette tables, and the minimum bet for anything was fifty dollars. Fifty bucks for and, minimum bet. Wow. Yes, for everything because they, they they told. They told, they did have slot machines, but I don't, I don't, those, I don't do those. Um, but the, but all the tables were a $50 minimum and it was, and I was looking around, it was all these, just these like dumb guys, like all these <laughs> d- dumb guys just baseball sitting there, hats? baseball hats, you know, like, you know, like little Tourists? beards and like, no, I think, I think, I mean, I think it was a lot of just, yeah, like mm. just, just guys. But, um, my point to all of this is that back when I moved to Chicago in the mid nineties, like downtown Chicago was like Friday night at five o'clock, the loop was dead and it was a ghost town until Monday morning at seven o'clock. And we used to ride our, we used to ride our bikes downtown. Like just we ride in the middle of the street cause we could, cause it was dead. And then you see, then you see this, you know, like the riverfront area in Chicago. Like if you walked around there on the weekend, it's really gorgeous and there's a bunch of restaurants. There's a million people. The people watching is incredible, cute dogs. And like that used to be like a homeless encampment when I moved to Chicago. And like, no, there wasn't, I remember there was an episode of that show early edition. Do you remember that show? It was yeah. like, it was a, like the guy got the newspaper a day early. It was C- coach Taylor from Friday night lights. I, I remember there was an episode where like the scene has him starting walking up a pair, like the stairs from like, like the Wabash bridge up mm-hmm. to the street. He runs into someone. I'm like, no one would ever be walking up those stairs. Like, that, like I've never seen anyone use those stairs. And now it's like a fucking disco down, downtown, you know, everywhere. And it's like, and that all happened under Rom, you know, like when Rom took over from daily, like, you know, there was no investment and Rom got all this money. He got Trump to put his that fucking hotel in. Daily, though. Daily was it? Start- yeah. Daily started the whole process of the, of the casino, the, the casino and stuff. Oh yeah. That was daily, but 
it, but there wasn't, but the da- but the downtown area. No daily okay. motion. He he did all the stuff with the with the TIF districts, and, and he's he's he's, oh, he's yeah. daily did all the things. He started all. Well, it came but the it came to fruition under Rom. He and his brother, they they both did a tremendous amount of work um, to bring Rom revenue into the city, and you know it's just a lot a lot of relations. I mean, here's the thing that that I do know about about politics is that. What you're looking at right now is a result of the past work. It's not like mm-hmm. something that just happened a month ago, but like if you see something on the road, it was like 10 years ago that it happened and now the money finally showed up. That's literally what, unless it's an emergency fund or something like the pandemic yeah. money was like emergency shit. But, but you know, generally what you're looking at is, is not, it's not something that, you know, Rom, you know, took it to the finish line because it, but it was already there. It's yeah. kind of like, well, my- you know, back in like the day when, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, President Clinton, you know, brought root, got rid of the deficit, and then the freaking next guy that showed up like blew it up again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Well, up, like, ruining like the economy for America, kind of. Thing. So anyway, my point yeah. to the yeah, to the, 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 the to the to the Vegasification of downtown is that Vegas. it's just, it, it's just become it's just it it could be anywhere. Like you could be walking down Michigan Avenue, and yeah. you could be walking down you could be walking down Fifth Avenue, you could be walking down Rodeo Drive, you could be walking down. It's like this identical bastion to commercialism and there's not like there's not there's not anything to do like you you have to spend money like there's also talking like you're talking north of the river right you're talking i am oh no i'm not I wasn't even, I, and, oh yeah, oh wait, so you're right, you're right, I am talking north, north of, the of the river. Yeah, but, see, yeah, but, but I mean, here's, here's, here's my counter, counter argument to that, is that my experience, because I used to work downtown, is that Chicago never was a ghost town after five o'clock. I mean, yeah, and unlike New York, it's not a 24-hour city, but now when I'm downtown, uh, south of the river, okay, I want to make sure I say that I'm not, I'm not heading towards Michigan, I'm not on Michigan Avenue north of the river, because I'm not in that world, I don't, I'm not, like I never really have been, but 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 south of the river, um, like I don't feel as comfortable downtown as I used to. And I, I'm telling you, it's not my age because I have street smarts. It's not my gender. It's not my it's not my skin color. I just now that the, the city has become more desolate. There's a different type of person that's down there, and there's a lot of shops and 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 restaurants and 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 things that are just not open anymore. They're just they're just mm-hmm. like nothing there, right? The trains also like I was on the train last week. And the train last week, one of the cars, every single person on the car, they were smoking marijuana, cigarettes, and they were sleeping and homeless. And I and I was with my kid. We had just come back because he's a D1 volleyball recruit. We had just come back. Wait, actively smoking on a train? Yes, girl. Wow. Yes. And so I was just like, I was like thinking to myself, <sighs> I was like, what, what is it? Like, what has gone wrong? Where is the, where is the, 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 the emotional interest love the, the social con- well the social yeah, contracts like, that yeah, we all like, kind of is, should be existing yeah, within the thing that like that shows people that the city is loved and cared for and 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 people like love the people like it's just and i'm really disappointed and i don't know how to fix it and the reason i wanted you to come on to talk about this is because i feel like there's some people i can talk to about it and they're not going to have a political answer they're going to actually talk real and there's some people that i talk to that you know are they're very defensive and they just want mm-hmm. to pretend like there's other things at play here. And I'm still not getting to the bottom of what exactly is wrong. And I can't figure it out. I'm like, okay, is it because like, is it because Trump, you know, when he was in the mm-hmm. White House, he made it a point to put his ugly name on that building, which I think has brought bad karma. Number two, 
is it because he had the media he literally was saying horrible things about us and it hasn't stopped like you know like it kind of started with like things he was saying about what a cesspool mm-hmm. chicago is and things mm-hmm. like that like that's the first time i started hearing negative negative really loud yelling pervasive you know um uh negative things about chicago from people that really haven't spent their lives living here and it it feels like it almost feels like it almost feels to me that if you can tear chicago apart if you can tear chicago apart from the inside and you also get help from the outside then you're really tearing apart the blue middle of the country which really is the foundation of democracy and the foundation of whether or not we're going to be able to have a democratic president in the next upcoming election. Because if we lose Chicago, if we lose the state of Illinois, you saw what happened in Wisconsin. You saw what you saw what happened there. You saw what happened in, in, in Michigan. I mean, Indiana, forget about them. I mean, I don't care. They're close. You know, we benefit from their money. They benefit from ours. But they're still a red state, right? But, like, you see, like, if Illinois goes down and, like, since then – We've lost a lot of people that really definitely we've lost some really bad people in Chicago that are corrupt and criminal. But but I also think that somehow we've lost some of the protection that we had against, you know, anti-democratic forces that are willing to tear this country up. So I think that when I think about when I think to myself about the challenges that I'm having in Chicago that are actually real, maybe they've always been here. Maybe they haven't. But I also feel like there are forces that are trying to like exacerbate and amplify some of these challenges that all of us are having. And nobody here seems to be focusing on the core of the, the feeling that people are having that something's not right. Well, I think that feeling that things aren't right is, is again, I think that's national. Like, but I do think that in Chicago in particular, one of the things I think that's, that's always been a problem in Chicago you know, when you're talking about being able to give money to, you know, black business owners or trying to find ways to like make it so that there's generational wealth, that it doesn't just favor white people. You know, the the one thing that rich people cannot handle a conversation about is corporate welfare and how like <laughs> yeah. and how and how 100%. there's it's, it's socialism. You know, it's, it's socialism for me and capitalism for thee. like they. They will take all of the money they can get from the government and justify it and then let not be let it be forgiven and not, you know, have to, you know, like fucking Bear Stearns and like all of the people that should be in jail and instead they got a bailout. Like, you know, that kind of stuff that creates this this wealth level that like we're never going to see. And that's fine. I don't want that wealth level. I do. But but I well, do you? What would you do with hey, listen, $8 million? You know, speaking, of, speaking of generational wealth, I just, um, so you know I'm a writer now for Fast Company Magazine. And yeah. I just, uh, my essay on um, generational wealth was just published yesterday on Fast Company, speaking of which. And I actually talk about the mythology of, uh, you know, generational wealth as a as a cover for the old, the good old, you know, American dream conversation, which is a lie. So I love, you're actually right. I mean, yeah, I mean, do I want generational wealth? It depends on how you define it. And I really do talk about that in this particular essay that I just recently published. And it's a really great essay. Um, someone well, I think that- said they cried when they read it. It was really emotional for them. So, um, but you're right. I mean, you know, no, I don't really, do I want to be a billionaire? Listen. I would never be a billionaire because I'd give too much of it away. You know, like I was just going to say, if I if I were a billionaire, um, I would have so many opportunities to give that money away. Kind of like what Melinda Gates is doing with all of her money. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's giving a lot of it away and she's doing a lot of things to try to help other women 
um, you know, find ways to financial independence, right? You know, well, I mean, I don't, but, but I mean, you get my point though. It's like, listen, you know, this, you know, just back to my original statement that that's having you respond to it is that if we cannot keep this city together, if Chicago falls, I'm telling you, falls to what? If we fall to fascism and republicanism and conservatism, if we fall to that, I think Illinois, if Illinois does not stay a blue state, I mean, listen, I'm telling you, it's, it's, if this, this is Illinois, people don't admit it or Chicago, we are a, a core tenant of freshwater and financial movement and transportation. Like we, we cannot let this city go. And I'm, I'm telling you the vibe of the city, you might say, Mary, it's happening everywhere. I think it's different here because we have a lot of power structures here that, mm-hmm. that the United States of America depend on. Mm-hmm. And if we start doubting the, 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 the opportunity and force of this city and the state, if we start doubting, if we have people, if the erosion of, of, of hope and, and belief starts to really penetrate uh, at, at scale in this state, this is, this, is, this is like, this to me is the end of America. I don't think it's going to happen here. I don't, I don't think that they're, I mean, well, because I mean, young people are fucking angry and they are not conservative. And the, and Mm -hmm. we, we just, we just, I mean, sure. But I mean, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing it. But my point is, is that. Well, that's like an algorithm. um, You're not seeing certain algorithms because of what you look at and what you're interested in. Yeah. I mean, you really, it's like, you can't make a blanket statement like that. There are people that, there are, there are people that are conservative. Black people, there are a lot of black conservatives in Illinois and Chicago. There are. Better vote for Trump? Yes. 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 Now, I'm not one of them. I'm just saying yes. You, it's, it's, okay, I mean, of course, there's something for everybody. But I think it's a good sign that Brandon Johnson won and not Paul Vallis. I think it's a good sign that we've to, got Pritzker. Well, Pritzker is, is, I love him. I love Governor Pritzker. I really yeah, do. He's love, fucking I great. He is. And I fu- I, he's Brandon, fucking he's gotta, great. He's got he's to step up. I mean, I, I, well, I, I agree that, but I, again, I preface this by saying that he got my vote because it was an anti-Vallis vote. So now I need, I need a pro-Mayor Brandon Johnson vote. See, the, the problem with, sh- the thing is, is that the, the biggest problem with Chicago is the corruption. Just the like, you know, there's so much greasing of hands and nothing gets done unless you, you know, don't piss off the wrong person. They're not well, going to be the, the permit for this. In the very beginning, yeah. I, I was mentioning and so, that there's people that are, that are in. How do, you, or not. how do you eliminate that? How do you, you get can't. rid of you the, you, okay, then we're never getting out of it. I know. Then we're never getting out of it. And the thing is, is that it will take people who are going to have to take political risks and in order to get things done, like, and so we're taking, you know, a, we're taking a risk right now, Mary, by having this conversation. A lot of people sure. don't even stand out here and talk like this. They're just like, I'm not having that conversation because I'm not going to risk the bag. But my question becomes, what bag are you risking? What bag have you gotten? And is it the kind of bag that brings you generational wealth or not? Are you being kept in place by not speaking? What exactly are you doing here? We're running out of time. For But the, I mean, we're either in end of days right now or we're in the same <laughs> Or, or we are at where like, wait, don't, you're we laughing. We started off this conversation with Mary, Mary, why you bugging you? <laughs> we might be in the end of days. Yeah, we might be in the end of days right now. 
Um, I mean, it or like that sometimes, yeah, it does. Or we're in, or we're at like the end of like the Gilded Age, you know, like when robber barons were making, you know, like, you know, like this. It'll end with like a depression esque kind of thing, and then we'll oh, have God, people no. who are all in this together or whatever. But that's the real. The dust, well, I mean, the dust bowl, the great, the, the great migration, the like. You know, what's the John Steinbeck book, Grapes of Wrath? You know, we're all mm-hmm. like, going to be starving or something. We're going to need a great new deal. Well, we needed Universal one. We need one right now. Universal basic income? I don't know. We didn't, we didn't even talk about AI. Okay, that's for next time. Listen, Mary, always amazing talking to you. Love it. This is what I was like. It was all over the place. We really. I, but we do that. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm okay with it. I like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like that's how I think and that's how I process and that's how and like you too are a multi-hyphenate like you do all like you're a freaking beekeeper oh we didn't even get to that my fucking neighbor this is Wait, the most but, but I mean like you talk about all of this seriously beekeeper DJ <laughs> heading to stuff related to weddings you have this amazing company you got a kid like I mean like you know like you're on a radio show what's that thing you do on the radio show a chirp radio, the chirp Chicago Independent radio, radio Project. Don't be talking about yeah. all over the place. <laughs> I like, started programming. And you're a political yeah. fundraiser that raised a ton of money for Sean Caston at a freaking famous woman's house named Gillian. No, I raised my, my fundraiser was a couple days later. The only reason why I got to go to the Gillian Fund was because I. It was a couple I, days later or before, but you, sis, you brought in the cash. You brought yeah, in no, the I. Money. Well, that's because I. Well, the reason why was because I knew that I was safe politically in Chicago, that my vote was basically. It was gonna work. My, it was gonna go Not my way anyway. Well, but back when I, but I that's know, the, but that's, that's the reason why I was I got active with Sean Cast and I was like I felt helpless. I'm like, where can I put my money and my energy where it's gonna work? And he was in, you know, he was a first time running guy in a Republican yeah. district, and it seemed, and he was a climate scientist, and all this kind of like fell underneath my value systems, and that. so you know, it made sense for me to try to raise money for that because that was meaningful money. Giving money to Chewy wasn't going to like, you know, move any that, needles. And I guess like, you know, to, 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 you know, that environment, does it still exist? I don't know, but we're going to talk about it next time because you're okay. going back and we're going to have another yep. conversation and maybe we'll do this once a month until the, cause you know, the presidential election is coming up and we have to talk about this kind of stuff. You this know, is... politics is all local. And so mm-hmm. next time we'll talk about the next thing. Maybe we'll talk about AI next time. But listen, Mary, thanks for coming on my show. No, thanks for having me. This will not be edited. And I have to decide if I'm going to be bleeping out the fuck yous or if I'm going to be leaving them in. I think I might be. Leave them in. Just put an I E know, on. But then I have to put an E on my podcast, which means that the children so? can listen to it. Why would children want to listen to this? Well, I mean, you know, parents that are in cars listening to it and the kids will be in the car too. I don't know. You know, that was yeah, back I, in the day. I truly never, I never even look at that. It's like I'm a terrible parent. I know it's because we're both in the, we're both in the entertainment and music business. Okay. Mary, thank you. Bye. Right. Don't hang up yet. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. Everybody. Um, okay. Thank you for coming to the Honest Field Guy podcast. This was a great conversation. And I know that's a little bit off topic from the normal things I talk about, but it is important to me as an entrepreneur and small business owner that we have these types of conversations because they directly correlate with our ability to make money as entrepreneurs and, re- and achieve financial independence. I mean, honestly, like if, po- if the politicians are not working for us to help our lives improve and get better, then how are you going to run a small business in whatever state that you live in, in the United States of America, or even like internationally, like what exactly, what are we doing here? So we got to start figuring out ways to put more money in the pockets of small business owners because small businesses are actually driving the economy in the United States. It's quiet as it's kept. They try to act like, you know, the big businesses are doing all the work. 
nope. It's people like us and it's moms like us that are doing all this stuff to keep things to keep. And we didn't even talk about the hidden labor. But so next time, come back to the Honest Yellow Guy podcast. And I have a lot of great guests coming on, coming up in the next couple of months. And thank you for joining. Thank you, Mary Nisi. See ya. Bye.